I want to give a shout out to Aventus, the world's leader in trade surveillance for digital assets. Trusted by Coinbase, Gemini, OSL, and many others, Aventus is also helping scores of other firms enter the crypto market. For digital asset trade surveillance, think Aventus. I'd like to also thank Kraken. With Kraken, you can instantly buy and sell over 50 of the most popular cryptocurrencies or earn additional rewards through their industry-leading staking service. Payouts are twice a week and you can earn up to 20% each year. Visit kraken.com scoop to learn more. Exodus is one of the most loved crypto apps due to its sleek design and easy-to-use exchange feature. Secure and manage over 130 cryptocurrencies from your computer or phone. No account registration is required. Download Exodus at exodus.com and you're ready to go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, Director of News at The Block. And today we are joined by Patrick Sells, Head of Bank Solutions at NYDIG. Patrick, you know, you, the episode we had with, with Robbie was one of the most popular of the show. So you've got big shoes to fill. A fact to follow. That was actually the second most popular episode after the first episode of the season. That was right when Bitcoin was rocketing towards... 30,000 back at the beginning of the year. We, we had some fun talking about the business. It was kind of around the time when, you know, NYDIG was emerging from, I wouldn't say it was like stealth or a period of stealth, but, you know, now you guys are really kind of making headlines constantly and are a pillar of the industry in a sense. Uh, we were talking before we turned on the mics about that Wall Street Journal ad. Um, that definitely probably helped get the name out there. Tell us a little bit about, you know, before we kind of talk about you and what um, new additions you've you've made to the business, walk us through what the past six months have been like at NYDIG, and then we can talk a little bit about specifically what you sure. are leading up there. Yeah, that uh, podcast was actually just about the time I was coming over to, to start at NYDIG, uh, and so remember it very well. But the last six months at NYDIG, I think the only two words I could say are exhilarating and exhausting. It's been a, a very fun uh, six months, a lot of things happening in the space, both kind of real time and also watching just so many of the kind of the machine that exists behind corporate America and traditional banking, everything begin to pivot and move. So it's been a lot of fun, a lot of energy, a lot of kind of fast moving things the team's been growing. And just overall, also fun just to watch the ecosystem more broadly, even outside of what's going on at NYDIG. So many good things happening in the space. So as a kind of a crypto fan and a Bitcoin believer, it's been probably one of the best years of life so far. And that's right. And so you joined in December. Um, what did you join the company exactly to do? Walk us through a little bit about your role. Sure. So I could spearhead our business working with banks, credit unions, and fintechs in terms of kind of what's the product, how do we go to market, what's the strategy. And it's in some ways a very natural evolution to what I'd been doing as a partner uh, with NYDIG. Before coming here, I was the chief innovation officer actually at a local New York City bank. And NYDIG was our partner to launch the first Bitcoin rewards debit card, which we launched last fall. And 
right after we got that launched, realized that we had solved something not just for Quantic, but really that could be brought to the entire industry. And so came over to kind of take that kind of early foundation, fortify it, expand it, and then scale it to the industry. And so I've spent, you know, every day since then talking to banks and companies like FIS and Fiserv about how do we actually make all of this happen. Yeah, and a few weeks ago, I saw that you guys partnered up with NCR to expand Bitcoin purchases to hundreds of banks and credit unions. So those partnerships fall under your your helm, I, I suppose. How do you get those across the finish line and, and what have the results of those partnerships look like? Um, are we seeing people using it? Are the flows coming in? What's it looking like? Yeah. So today, I think when you look across all of the partners in the banking space, we have created kind of turnkey access for just about 90% of the financial institutions in America. So we've got about 6,000 credit unions and about 5,500 banks. And so NCR, along with the other partners that we have, give us that reach, if you will. One of the things that many people may not know is that your average bank, definitely a community bank, but even banks that are 30, 40, 50 billion dollars in size, do not have any control over their mobile app or online banking experience. Those pieces of software are developed by those bigger companies and really banks work in kind of a one-to-many model. So it's the same instance, just configurable to make it blue or make it orange, depending on your bank, if you will. And you know, without getting too deep into kind of the history of traditional banking, that's, you know, because of how strong of technologies these companies have had over the last two or three decades, it meant that for many banks, they also didn't need to build teams of engineers in-house. And so despite the fact that your average bank is almost entirely operating on technology, they actually are very limited in their ability to easily change or modify the technology that the consumer interfaces with. And so if you want to bring something new to banking and many fintechs, I don't think understand this, you can't just go to a bank and say, check out this really cool widget I have or check out these really cool APIs. You have to have it integrated at those digital banking or core platform level, even if you wanted to do it for one bank, let alone a thousand banks. And so for us, what we've focused on is helping get banks engaged with wanting to offer these different Bitcoin products. And then working in unison with their technology providers like NCR, Q2, or Alchemy to make it so that it's really turnkey for them to be able to add the NYDIG solution, if you will, to their offering. And so how many, so now they have that that ability to unlock this new type of service, but how many are actually unlocking it? A lot. <laughs> I think if we kind of pause today and you fast forwarded 12 months, you would see over a thousand institutions rolling out NIDIG products. I think we'll see that number grow as we move forward through the next 12 months. And it's important to note that for these companies, these large technology behemoths, I mean, like any company that size, they do kind of budget planning and what they're going to do years in advance. Um, and it takes a while to kind of get slotted into their schedule, if you will. And so for them to all of a sudden roll out you know, a new partnership, a new integration that wasn't planned, that's because their customers are demanding it, right? And so I think that's important to think about that. And then that was really fun the way you held up the picture of the Wall Street Journal ad the other day as a way of kind of showing that. 
And what was you know important about that ad was not just the message, but the fact that you had those logos on the bottom of it, because they don't, for the entire industry to have moved this fast, it speaks to truly the number of banks and credit unions that are pushing for this, right? It's not just like here's 20 pushing one of these players. There are you know many pushing each of those players. And so there really is, a, I think, a tremendous wave coming of banks and credit unions that are going to be able to offer far easier access and novel products related to Bitcoin very shortly. And we'll see that kind of product roadmap continue to develop over the next year or two. So how much visibility do you have into the client relationships that, you know, firms like NCR or, or some of the other ones with, with which you've partnered into their client landscape? Can you see or do you have any insight into like how much buying we're seeing out of some of these credit unions and banks, or is that kind of walled off and kept by the fintechs with which you partner? We see a lot of it. Part of the NIDIG kind of go-to-market strategy that's enabled the speed in which we're seeing this year is not just the approach to technology, but also kind of our approach to helping our bank or kind of joint bank customers solve the regulatory and compliance challenges that they face. And so because of because of that, you know, we have great visibility into what's happening and kind of how things are working. You know, we at NIDIG are, are very intentional that we don't share anything that isn't public, but I can give you a, a stat. There's a talking recently with a state and the state had looked at how much crypto purchase had taken place over the course of 45 days across everyone who was a resident of the state that they could find. And what they saw was a little more than half of it was taking place in connection with one of the banks in the state. And so I think what we'll see is kind of that as an indicator will only continue to increase as more and more banks roll it out because there's so many more values and kind of features that banks can bring to beyond just the ability to buy, sell and hold. And so I think we'll see. I mean, to answer your question, we have great visibility into kind of the activity that's taking place and it's really beginning to ramp up. So what is it going to take for some of the larger household names to wade into offering through the checking account experience, simple Bitcoin buy sells functionality? We're thinking Chase, Bank of America, the list goes on. How, how do you convince them to get on board to date? We've really only seen them offer these sort of derivative or synthetic products. Are you talking with them and what's the pitch? Yeah, I think, look, when you are at one of those institutions and you have the size and the scale that you do, one of the things that's really important is that is in how you approach new products and when you roll them out and in and, and what way. Because not only do you represent, you know, tens of millions of Americans, you also are so trusted and synonymous in many ways with the, the strength and the integrity of the U.S. financial system. And so what I can tell you is I very much sense kind of a reverence from those types of institutions about how to do and what to do and the amount of work and energy they're putting into this. And I think, you know, for them, it's it's really about, you know, the same thing it is for any of us in business, which is what are my customers asking me for? And then how do I go do that for them? And so to your point, we've seen them kind of, many of them have started in some ways. I think, you know, over the last six months, have seen all of them continue to increase the attention and the number of resources dedicated to this. 
And so, you know, I can't speak for any of them, but I, I do imagine we'll see, you know, development happening in pretty rapid succession. And even this year, and then really next year, begin to see more and more kind of Bitcoin related products from some of those name brands. What do you think is going to be the driving catalyst? Is it just going to be one of them going in and then the domino falls? You know, look, the entire industry moves in a herd. And so that's kind of an oftentimes talked about cliche is that no bank wants to be the first one, but every bank wants to be like number two <laughs> times 500. Yeah. And so I think we are, you know, kind of at that point in the industry where really the herd's been triggered. And so now people are figuring out exactly when and how they want to go live and what's the exact, you know, kind of parameters of their product or their offering. And so I do think we'll probably see them all kind of happen in rapid succession, but not because of anything other than like they're kind of equal in size and complexity. And they're, you know, they're all trying to figure out what to do. And I think they're all equally working on it. But of course, someone will go first and someone will be a laggard. But I do think we'll see really uh, the, the entire industry move. You guys announced a partnership recently, a few days ago, with Upgrade Credit on a new credit card that offers Bitcoin rewards. Is that something that a lot of other banks are looking to do as well? Yeah. So actually, this kind of opens up a couple of fun conversations. So yes, when I was at Quantic, that was really the product that I uh, spent two and a half years having to kind of go through the burden of proving to our regulators that it was permissible activity and for banks to be able to offer that type of product. And so very much near and dear to my heart, you know, and I think back about even the in October when I was using it, the one and a half percent back I was earning then today is really five, six percent back. There's no card in the market that offers something like that. And if you're long on Bitcoin, there's a kind of an easy calculation to say everything I'm buying today is a 20, 30, 50 percent discount in reality. Or as I like to say, you know, it allows me to transform every fiat transaction into a moment of wealth creation. And so I think you'll see fintechs like Upgrade and many banks roll, roll out these types of products. One, they know that their customers who have Bitcoin today prefer this over loyalty points or cash back. But then also they understand just how important the role that a card like that or a product like that can play in expanding and evolving the Bitcoin ecosystem. And I hear this from many throughout the country that it presents kind of a very low friction point for someone to begin to gain exposure to Bitcoin, right? And that's even very much part of my own personal story and kind of how the Bitcoin rewards card came to be was I just thought I needed a really kind of safe way to earn it for free so that I could get more comfortable with it. And so there is a lot of demand for it at the bank level. And so I do think we'll see many more of those roll out especially SMB and corporate cards, you know, all of a sudden you can be earning a million dollars a year of Bitcoin instead of a million Amex points. That is, you know, powerful. And I think the other comment is, and working in this kind of bridges from just banks, but into corporates, but there's a lot that can be done around leveraging Bitcoin in terms of an overall loyalty and rewards programs. So allowing people to have points and convert those to Bitcoin, that's in some ways like the lowest friction path possible from an entry point standpoint or from allowing, you know, gift cards to be converted into Bitcoin or think about this as a really cool use case. Right. I sit on a ton of hotel points and I don't need most of those points at most of the time in my day to day life. 
but they just kind of sit there. And all of a sudden now there's going to be the ability for me to say, hey, look, I'm going to take 300,000 of those points and I'm going to convert those to Bitcoin. And then in six months, when I need to use a hotel room, I can convert some of that back into points or to pay for a room. And so now I don't have to have all these dormant loyalty points or miles or you name it, just sitting around. I can push those into Bitcoin and then bring it back just when I need to spend. Like that's pretty powerful and pretty cool. You're doing that for some clients right now or working on pilots to do that? Absolutely. I think there's a lot in this kind of in this space that we're working on um, to be able to power a range of these types of kind of interesting and innovative loyalty and rewards programs. And also even like bringing in kind of the gamification, which we can talk about, like how corporates are thinking about using Bitcoin in that regard. But yes, those are real products that we're building. Kind of sounds similar to what Back has been trying to build over the last 50 years or however long they've been operating. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know a ton about their business, you know, but I think directionally, I know they're kind of in that space as well. I think one of the keys in terms of how we think about our approach is how do we work with the incumbents and how do we work with the infrastructure that exists? It's not sexy at times getting deep into these, you know, cores and how they work, but they actually really touch just about every aspect of financial life in America and power brands that people would have no clue are involved with. But in there lies the easy key, if you will, from a technology standpoint. And I think this is the other thing that can't be understressed. And this is true for any fintech, but definitely true, I think, in the world of Bitcoin, is that you have to care as much about the regulatory and compliance side as you do the technology side, right? You can't just say, here are APIs. You know, you have to be able to help show and lead a path to say, this is actually how and why this is doable. Because mm. no one, even though you may work at a company that's a FinTech or one of these kind of banking tech providers, and you're not necessarily regulated in the same way that, you know, a bank or credit union is, everyone in the industry has a respect for the fact that we all play a role in maintaining the integrity and strength of the financial system. And no one wants to do something that's cool, but ultimately really hurts us, right? Or slows us down. And like the reputational risk is immense. And so I think that's part of, you know, going back to our approach is how do we help solve for that first and foremost? And then we can build the technology. And that's how you actually build products for a regulated world. I want to give another shout out to Aventus. Aventus is the world's leading platform for digital asset trade surveillance, market risk, and transaction monitoring with some of the largest crypto exchanges and institutions in the world using Aventus to drive efficiencies in their regulatory operations and mitigate the risks of fines and reputational damage. Visit AventusSystems.com today to find out why 80% of the firms who take a custom demo become clients. Shine a light on your trading today with Aventus. For the last 10 years, Kraken has been known as one of the best platforms for trading crypto online. Now with the new Kraken app, it's easier than ever to buy and sell over 60 of the most popular cryptocurrencies on the go 24-7. Simply download the Kraken app, connect your bank account, and start investing for as little as $10. Just a minute is all it takes to get started. 
I also want to give a special thanks to Exodus. Exodus is one of the most loved crypto apps due to its sleek design and easy to use exchange feature. Secure and manage over 130 cryptocurrencies from your computer or phone, and interactive charts let you view the price history of a specific asset and your portfolio's performance over time. Sync your wallet across multiple devices to access your funds from anywhere. Maybe the best part is Exodus is integrated with the Trezor hardware wallet, making advanced security easy for everyone. Download Exodus at exodus.com today. So we kind of mentioned three main products here the ability to buy sell so bitcoin purchases the credit card this sort of more nascent um, function through which you can take your unneeded hotel points and turn it into bitcoin or all sorts of loyalty points that you may not need because you never want to go to carabas again or wherever i've never been um i never would go unfortunately i can say i've been you've been to carabas yeah going up what'd you get that, that I don't remember. But. Are you from like Ohio or something? Uh, I spent most of my life. You from Kansas? Uh, Indiana. I, until there you go. Yeah, that makes sense. Three years ago, I spent the last 10 years living in a town of about 1,500 people in rural Indiana. Yeah, that's a place where people would go to Carabas. Yeah, absolutely. That's all right. That's great. I have some Italian cousins from Iowa, and they opened up like the only pizzeria in like your 70 county radius. Only good one. That part of town, uh, you take a date to Walmart, and if you really like her, you go to Target. Ooh. <laughs> Very different than life in New York City. Yeah, well, there are pluses and minuses to yeah. anywhere. Um, so those are some of the products that you guys are working with clients to build out. Is there anything else, like maybe lending or, or something else? Uh, yeah, there are a lot of other things that we're doing. Lending is is definitely one of them, and working with an increasing number of banks to help them get into this space. But, you know, we're probably one of the larger financiers of dollars against Bitcoin and also can begin to think about that and all kinds of really interesting lending use cases beyond just the ability to borrow dollars against your Bitcoin. But how do you do that at the point of sale? How do you think about that in terms of, you know, in installment loans or lines of credits or charge cards? And so there's a there's a lot we could talk about on that space. I think one of the things that I've been working on over the last couple of weeks that I'm you know, very, very excited about is today when you're going to get any type of fiat financing for a home, a car, a line of credit, whatever, mm. credit underwriting doesn't take into account your Bitcoin, right? Yeah, um, I know. I try, try to get a mortgage. Yeah. It, it, well, I did get it, but it, they wouldn't look at my... Um... Coinbase. Right. They wouldn't consider. Right. So you have, you know, what's the market cap today? $800 billion or so of assets that aren't counted into a credit underwriting decision. And so one of the things you're going to be able to do because of all of our bank partnerships and the approach there, and this is something that, you know, the banks will be able to offer is they will be able to take into account your Bitcoin position. And all of a sudden that may lower the interest rate by 100 or 200 basis points, or all of a sudden may make you eligible for a loan that you weren't able to before. And so I think that's, you know, one of the things very excited about personally is being able to bring that type of value to U.S. consumers and small businesses and for banks to be able to help kind of lead that type of innovation. That's interesting. So 
does launching that look the same as launching any other product in terms of, you know, giving them something that they can turnkey use? Yeah, I mean, so a lot of like these types of features or functionality is really adding on to the kind of the, the foundation that we built in terms of the piping that now exists between us and the traditional fiat world or the banking system. And then depending on what the product is, it can be, you know, from a little to a lot of additional work, but more often than not, it's in kind of the the less work category. But I think for a minute, just even kind of zooming out, I think one of the things that really stood out to me in our early research as we got started at the beginning of the year, and it was also, again, kind of something that had been in my personal life, which is there are many people in America who don't own Bitcoin today, but not because they don't want to. And our research showed that of all the Americans who don't, more than half would if they could through their bank. And in other words, it's an access issue, not a Bitcoin issue. And so when I think about that and I think about, okay, we understand that Bitcoin's a network and the value of a network is derived from the number of users on it. It's really, really, really exciting to actually think that like of all the things that have happened in kind of Bitcoin's history in America up to this point, this was kind of like the prelude to the first chapter of like actually what's going to come because we're going to be able to unlock access in such a unique way and make it really turnkey for, you know, the everyday American to now be able to participate in the Bitcoin network. And I think that's what's so important about these bank relationships and that helping it will help so many more get into Bitcoin. But it also allows us to take advantage of the piping and the trust and the relationships that we've built to be able to say to someone, hey, now if you have Bitcoin for the first time, it can be factored into a fiat credit decision. That's really cool for everyone. Right. And same thing on lending. You know, I think the one of the things we love about Bitcoin is it's an asset based loan. And, you know, assets are a great way of, you know, storing and preserving wealth and historically have given you lower cost of capital, if you will, against those. But the interest rates today on lending against Bitcoin at a retail level are really high. And that's because all of the dollars sitting in the banking system haven't been unlocked yet. And that's going to change. And so, here too, for the broader Bitcoin ecosystem, we're going to be able to bring in cheaper dollars against it and all kinds of other things, right? And so just really excited about kind of how easy it will be for people to get access to Bitcoin, how easy it will be for people to kind of fully unlock the power of their Bitcoin. And ultimately, the key for all of this is we have to make it really, really easy for the banks to be able to roll out these types of products and services. Hmm. Do you think like a lot of companies have tried to like do this on their own? I mentioned a few like crypto native companies trying to offer either, you know, let's say the digital loyalty points to Bitcoin conversion or lending or whatever have you. Do you think some of these more local banks or incumbent banks and, you know, to an extent, like, you know, you're going to talk your book and probably agree with me here, but are better positioned versus some of these more crypto native firms that are trying to offer these same products. And I wonder if they're better positioned from both a regulatory perspective and also just customer engagement, customer relationship perspective. A thousand percent. I think both of those kind of groups play a different role in the story of Bitcoin. And so I don't think one's not here to say one's better than the other. I think it's more about a recognition that there's different roles to play. 
And just to give you an example, I think you hit on, you know, the kind of the regulatory kind of proof in the pudding of knowing how to operate and knowing what kinds of things get you in trouble. You don't see banks rolling out products and then only a year or two later to have to all of a sudden roll it back in certain states. Like, you know, as we've seen in the crypto world lately because of mistakes around how they went about and did something. So those types of things don't happen. And, you know, just as another aside, and this may shock you that if you think of credit unions, which is probably not a category that uh, many crypto fans think to, or crypto enthusiasts think too much about, but credit unions today have over 103 million American adult members. Listen, you're preaching in the choir. My cousin, Peter Michael, NASA Federal Credit yeah. Union, give them a plug there. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, people use some of the big banks and some of these kind of crypto native, but like there is just a lot of trust and a lot of reason to trust your local bank, your local credit union. And when they say they're going to roll out a product, you just know it's going to work, <laughs> right? And so I think there's a nice kind of dance ultimately between them. And we've seen this in banking. If we think about banks and fintechs, that fintechs helped push the edge of a lot of things and then banks caught up and they still are behind in some ways and some features, but they do other things really well. And so I think some of these crypto native companies will be kind of great kind of skunk works innovation areas for the ecosystem, help push things forward. Nice thing about America also, there's enough of us that we can all, you know, we need lots of options out there. You know, those of us who really want to envision a world where Bitcoin is synonymous with money and the financial future, then the banking system coming online and the way they are is the key for that vision to come to fruition. And America doing that will also help the rest of the world. It will accelerate and catalyze everything that's going on. And so I think they both play different roles, but the real true kind of turning on the, the network, unlocking the full power of the Bitcoin rails and everything that the promises of Bitcoin will be largely driven by the, the adoption of the banking system. Something that we haven't really unpacked that much on the show, but there is this like entire world of the financial system that you guys have kind of uniquely tapped into. What other opportunities are there that maybe people aren't looking at or thinking about that are on your radar? We talked about from a product perspective, but maybe from like a client profile perspective. Like in terms of partners for NYDIG or in the industry broadly? Partners for NYDIG. Yeah, I mean, look, we, so we see ourselves as trying to help empower you know, incumbents, we also, I think, are a bit unique in that we're really the only vertically integrated stack focused on Bitcoin. And so we can play a role in delivering all of that for a bank who needs a turnkey solution. But we also work with many other kind of crypto companies or, you know, Bitcoin miners who are leveraging a part of our technology for what they need. And so I, I think, you know, for us really, we see ourselves as kind of a transformer for anyone looking to do anything in this space, whether that's kind of traditional or Bitcoin focused. And so I think, you know, have conversations every day, every week in terms of like new verticals or new channels to go after. But I think, you know, one of the other things is one of our kind of core values as a firm is to be focused. And so it's we want to have these conversations and be thinking about things out there and encourage anyone who's got an idea to you know we want to talk to you but at the same time 
it can't come at the cost of execution and delivery for us. And so, you know, very focused in terms of implementing what we already have in front of us. What are some of the biggest concerns of some of these end users that may be slower to plugging in some of these widgets? Is it is it insurance? Is it protecting these assets, knowing that they're going to be safe for their clients? What what are some is it or is it the volatile price? I mean, if you look at just the last few weeks, we went from sixty to twenty-nine and then in the blink of an eye last night we went to 39. I'm sure that breakneck volatility um, is something that their clients aren't used to in other assets. Maybe they're logging in to see what's going on more, stressing their infrastructure. How do you navigate that? And if there are other impediments, what are they? Yeah. So, you know, at least in our conversations, concerns around security or insurance don't come up as much because of NIDIG's 100% cold storage solution. And how we think about, you know, managing and kind of protecting our clients' assets, that causes a lot of kind of instant comfort, if you will. And so, I, you know, for us, that's not a huge impediment, if you will. I think to your comment about the volatility, you know, one thing we have to remember whenever we're talking about people who don't own Bitcoin is that for most of them, they already innately, under, they, they understand that Bitcoin's volatile. Right. I think we all kind of have that that sense of it. And it, it's important. It make, It's what makes a product like our Bitcoin rewards platform or what we call our Bitcoin interest enhancement platform so attractive. So let me just take the interest one, for example. What this lets you do is take any interest bearing deposit product like a savings account. And now I can leave my money in an FDIC insured savings account, but I can get the interest paid to me in Bitcoin instead of dollars. Mm-hmm. Right. And so here again, kind of creating this low friction way for people who are concerned about the volatility. And so for many bankers who are thinking about rolling this out and knowing that they have customers who don't have Bitcoin today, they are, you know, at some level aware of and concerned about the volatility. But when you they think about the Bitcoin rewards product or the Bitcoin interest enhancement product, it takes away a lot of the stress because you feel good about being able to offer truly novel new ways to get into the asset class. What I can tell you as someone who, you know, pro, you know, obviously very pro Bitcoin, one of the things that makes me so excited about the rewards product or the interest enhancement product is what that's also doing is causing constant daily buy flow, right? And what we know in Bitcoin, there's lots of constant sell flow from the miners and the exchanges. And so the more we can you know, the more traction we find with these products, not only do they help bring people onto the network, we are building programmatic buying into the market. And I think that will be very beneficial and exciting to think about if you actually step back and think about what that could really mean. It's kind of mind blowing. So the volatility, look, it's a, it's on people's minds, but I think that's why we focus on kind of developing the product suite that we have to help people feel comfortable with it in a, you know, in a myriad of ways. Patrick, it sounds like Nidex figure out a way to just make the market only buy, up only, right? Is that what we're is that what we're going for? Um, well, this has been a really interesting and illuminating conversation about what you guys are building. Cause I think, you know, it is so it spans a lot of different segments. And a lot of times we we kind of unpack what you guys are doing on the institutional side, but this kind of looks at the more retail side of the market, which is important. Right. You need that contra flow in one respect, but it's also just part of the area of the market that hasn't really been super well served, like 
traders are well served. Um, retail traders are well served. If you want to go get, well, not anymore now, it's 20x leverage, but if you wanted to get 100x leverage, you could have done that. But, you know, there are, to your point, and one of the big points of this conversation, there are tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of regular folks just with bank accounts. And it's it's kind of, in a way, easy an easy target. Yeah. And I think, you know, you also like, we very much see that, you know, financial inclusion really has to start with Bitcoin going forward and just the powerful role that it can play. But I think, you know, I keep coming back to this because it was really one of the learnings in my personal life about Bitcoin, where in the it, kind of the, you know, all of a sudden the, the lights went off is to understanding Bitcoin as a network, the way that I could understand Airbnb or Uber and I know, you know, probably many in this audience, you know, know this, but, you know, using Metcalf's law to understand the value of a network being directly proportional to the number of nodes or users on it. And I think about like what happened with Airbnb and as more and more people said, hey, that's pretty cool. I think I'll try it now. Right. I think I'll try to go rent a house. I think I'll go try listing my house and then they have a good experience. And so what do they do? They more people get involved and now Airbnb has more listings in the top seven hotel companies combined, right? And now for us, that meant like we all have many more houses and apartments to go stay at and maybe an easier path to monetizing our existing home. But when we now like think about that in terms of Bitcoin and about what's happening in the world and what, what stands to happen in America, and all, as all of a sudden users get onto the Bitcoin network and the price of Bitcoin skyrockets, and at the same time that's happening, well, access is literally being made easier by the day and an unparalleled reach, it will cause even more users to get on the network, right? And all of a sudden, Airbnb is what it is and Bitcoin becomes what it will be, which I think will be a global force for good and a global, you know, kind of form of money. And so, you know, that part of it just gets so exciting to think about, like, this goes back to your point around kind of the underserved audience Today, it's largely focused around traders and kind of hardcore, you know, crypto enthusiasts or kind of some people who've been in from since the beginning. And there's nothing wrong with either of those audiences. They're both great and they helped get us here. But what we can do as a group of people, as a population, is really just getting started. And the benefit to all of humanity, I think, will be unlike anything we've experienced so far. Well, Patrick, I really appreciate you for coming on the show. It's been a lot of fun. Can you let folks know where they could learn more about what you and NYDIG are working on today? Sure. You know, for me personally, uh, my LinkedIn is really the best place to kind of stay connected. Um, and you see kind of the updates that are going on. And NYDIG's Twitter is another great place to go to for those who, want, who aren't following it. And, uh, you know, again, just want to say thank you to you, Frank, for having us on and for the work you do in the community at large and the content and the stories that you guys produce. Very much appreciate it. And uh, it's been a blast to be on here today with you. Hey, listen, I put on my pants two legs at a time, just like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Patrick, you have to come on again soon. This was a yeah. lot of fun. I learned I learned a lot, which is fun. always exciting. The Scoop will be back for you again with another exciting guest. See you soon, everybody. Thanks for tuning in.